Hey, 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 this is episode 105 of Bella in Your Business. The next series of episodes are from a previously recorded live event training series that Erica Goodwin and I did together. The following is a past recording, but the information is just as juicy. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Bella in Your Business, where Bella will discuss anything and everything about your pet sitting business to help you land on target. So get ready. Bella's got your shoot. Let's jump. You guys, we are doing this first training together, and I am so excited to bring this to you. Like I said earlier, we are actually broadcasting live on Instagram on the Barketing Blog channel. What we're doing is Eric and I are coming together for the very first time on this kind of live thing, and we are so excited because what we're going to be doing is giving you training for the next 12 weeks, and it's going to be really amazing. We are going to be bringing to you the topic today which is ranking with Google basically. Because what Erica found out as she's doing all of these websites is that we're doing the wrong search terms. So before we get into it, Erica, why don't you explain to everyone who you are and where you're located? All right, so my name is Erica. For you that don't know, I am in the capital of Canada up here in Ottawa, where it's nice and chilly on this first day of spring. I am, my background in the pet industry comes from the software side. So I'm a co-founder of ProPet Software, which is a kennel management software. From there, I met Bella and got into the website side of business and kind of tackle it from both sides now with Barking Solutions. So that's who I am and my uh, background. That's awesome. Yes, Erica is very talented, you guys. If you're not following her on Instagram, go to Barking Blog. If you are, that's awesome. Just get her on your feed because I learn from her every single day. She's amazing. As well as if you're looking for websites, that's awesome. And what I do is I've been in the industry for 11 years now. Good gracious. It was <laughs> it started in 2007. And what I do is I help pet sitting and dog walking businesses mainly expand their businesses. So they've already started and they're looking to bring on employees and get bigger. And that's what I spend my days doing. I don't work a day in my life because it's so much fun. And I get to do cool things like this with you all. So today's topic, as I was trying to say before, but I'm going to reiterate here, is basically how to figure out the keywords on your website because a lot of us are doing this incorrectly, myself included. And we thought that we would kick off this training series with this particular one because it's so super important. A lot of us are spinning our wheels and unless we truly understand the magnitude that this could help or hurt us, then we're really just wasting our time. And none of us want to waste our time, right? We all have lots of things to do in our life. So Erica, I want you to take it away here. I want to understand first, like, how does the search local work? Because all of us pet businesses are all local searches. So all this stuff we learn about these national searches don't apply. So talk to us about local searches. Right. So the way that Google works is they have three different, I guess, factors that they look for in local search. The first one is the relevance. So that is how relevant your website is to the search terms that the person's looking for. Uh The other one is distance. So what kind of proximity you are from the person that's searching. So if they do just search pet sitter, then what Google will do is based on their IP address and based on other factors, Google will determine where they're located and then we'll find results based on that. So it's so important to make sure that your location is everywhere and that you have your Google My Business set up. You have a Google Maps on your website. You can actually go into Google Maps and they have a feature where you can do the uh, location-based services. So you can put like a map of your location 
Yeah. So we do have that. And if any of my uh, website clients are here, if you do that, send me the snippet and we'll get that on your website. That'll also help with the local search. And then prominence. So how prominent is your business? Some of them that are more prominent offline, Google tries to find them to get that in front of you. The links that you're getting, articles to blogs. So if you get a newspaper article in your local city, anything that valuable that links to your website, that all bumps you up in the search engines. It's all about local. And another thing is reviews, your review count and the review score that you have. So the more reviews you have with the better review, that all helps. So there's so many factors. It's ridiculous. And there's different things. So you'll notice there's the local pack is what they call it. So when you search local, you'll see the top three listings under the map. That's the local pack. And those have different ranking factors than the organic search below it. So 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 you're telling me that the map, the Mm -hmm. people that show up on the map, those Mm -hmm. those results are different than the organic. Most likely. Yeah. They're different ranking factors. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, that have different weight on them. Uh Uh-huh. So this is so important for local businesses because we're not trying to rank national just in our little area, which arguably might be really easy to do because our pool of competition is that much smaller, especially in the pet field where a lot of people aren't paying attention to this. So you just have to be a little bit awesome in this to make such a big impact. You also were talking about those maps, Erica. Yeah. Where would you, as a web designer, put that map? Would you create like a link in the nav bar and put it there? Or would you put it in the footer? Or where would you suggest design-wise someone put a service area map? So that is good. So on some of the websites we do, we put at the bottom of the homepage down by a contact information. And then also on your contact us page. And Maureen, you're already at the top of the local pack. So you're doing good. Maureen's a rock star. (laughs) She's at the top of the... She's the first one for most of the keywords that I've looked up for her. Okay, cool. So let me dive into that because you just said that. So Maureen is one of your clients and you said you've already looked up these keywords for her and she's wondering if she wants for the keywords. So from an outside perspective, and I'm not trying to sell you at all, but I'm just trying to say there's very few business owners out there that are actually looking out like proactive for their clients. And I love that you just said that because Maureen was wondering and you're like, I already got you covered, girl. That is so cool. Like... (laughs) You guys, you don't understand how valuable Erica is. I keep telling her this every time I talk to her. I'm like, that's another thing that you should put up on this page that says you do for your clients. All right. So talk to me about site crawling and site maps, because what is this like a spider crawling a web? I mean, how does that pertain to local searches? So the thing is, is Google has their crawlers searching websites every day. Uh-huh. But if you're a smaller website, they might not find you as easily. So it is important that once you make any major changes on your website, as soon as we launch a new website, I'll, right away, we'll take the XML sitemap and we'll submit it to Google. So just to kind of remind Google, hey, we got some new information, please crawl it. Okay. That's what we do there. So what Google does is they'll then crawl it and like kind of store it so that when someone's searching, they'll be able to ping back to the websites based on their algorithm. So when you have your keywords or your search terms that you want to search for. A little bit further in the show, we'll talk about actually finding the right search words because so many people are like, oh, well, I want to rank for this keyword. We're like, okay, that's great, but is anybody searching for it? And when your answer is, I don't know, then you could be wasting a lot of time and energy scrolling to number one for a keyword that nobody's searching. Right, help you. No, and we've learned this lesson when we were growing ProPet software. It's a startup, so we learned this lesson. We're like, oh, well, we want to be number one for this keyword. And then when I actually did the research, we're like, wow, we just wasted a lot of time because nobody's even searching for it. So who cares if you're number one for something that no one searches for? Oh my goodness. Lesson learned. 
So back on that sitemap thing, like I know that's kind of like an easy thing we can do, but yeah. how often do we have to be doing that? And is that something that if you have a web person on your team that they should be doing regularly? So you don't need to do it regularly. I mean, the most important thing is when you have your new website that Google has it, but Google will keep crawling it and keep crawling it. That's and then the more that you update your website, you post blogs, the internal linking, links to your website, all of that, that helps Google crawl your site. So the cool thing about an internal link is if you have a new blog, you want to make sure when you post a new blog that you link that blog to a blog that you already have. And then you go find an old blog and link that to your new blog that helps Google crawl your site. So when it comes to your site, it sees the link and you want to make sure when you link it, you use your search terms that you want to rank for link Mm -hmm. that. So then Google sees that term, sees the link, and then we'll go to the next page and then get more information. So Google is so smart and you just think the algorithm, I mean, it's a secret, so they don't really tell you everything, but content, linking keywords, and then getting external authoritative websites to link to you, all of that all is SEO. So it's a crazy big thing. But they tell us enough to do. Yeah. (laughs) Right? So tell me about how this intertwines with Google Plus, because that comes to mind when you're talking about those maps and that local stuff Mm -hmm. and the Google My Business stuff. Does that all intertwine with this? So, I mean, if you want to rank in Google, use their stuff, essentially. And I mean, Google Plus, you put in all your information. So the big thing is what they call a nap. It's like the name, address, phone number. You want to make sure that is everywhere. Uh And you put that in, make sure that's in Google Plus. And you put that into a map as well. Anything that's Google will help you in the Google search engines, essentially. Okay. Even a good thing is, I know a lot of people don't use Google+, but if you actually post your blog on Google+, that'll help you get noticed a little bit more by Google because it's their platform. We need to so, make a note of that because in an upcoming training we have, we are actually talking about how to like promote your blogs. And that is something that even mm-hmm. myself, like I used to do it and I stopped about a year and a half ago. So this is really mm-hmm. great information to be reminded of that I should be doing that because it makes sense. You know, like yeah. you want to use Google stuff. Erica, talk to us about local pack and localized organic. And then we're going to talk about the different types of keywords. It's what shows up when someone's searching. And I mean, the best thing, the maps show up at the top. So if you can get in that local pack... That is the best. And there's so many different links, but their biggest thing is for the local pack is the proximity signals. That's proximity signals. Yeah. Now exactly. you're getting a little so that is. And when you look at the list, I have a list in front of me here. They kind of swap a little bit. So the local pack is business signal, but the organic factors are more on link signals. So that's when you want to get the external links into your website. But you want to be careful that you don't put all these unauthoritative links that look spammy because then that's just going to do the opposite for you. So there's a lot of things you have to do, but you want to make sure there's certain things that you don't do. Keyword stuffing is another thing. Please don't write something and write, I'm a dog walker 25 times on one page. (laughs) You only need to write it once, maybe a couple times, and Google knows what it is. You don't, Google smart, you don't need to keyword stuff. You'll actually get penalized for that. See, this is another off the script thing. So for those of us who use Yoast, Yoast is like, you're not using enough, put it in more H2. Do you think that Yoast goes overboard with it or they're accurate with the keywords? I mean, you only have to put it in a few times. And as long as you have a long enough blog and you use it naturally, naturally, that's the big thing. Yeah. If you're putting the word in naturally, I've seen some people write like, well, I'm a pet sitter and then when I'm pet sitting I, and then pet sitting and like, 
if you put it at like four or five times in like an actual full blog, then that's one thing. But if you put it like three times in a sentence, like, yeah, it's one of those things. So it's knowing your keywords, not going crazy. It's, Google's just all about being natural. Yeah. And think about what your customers want to read because uh-huh. it's not natural if you throw it in there a million times. Awesome. This is so good. This is good to be reminded of it, that Google is not a machine where we're just trying to, because I think that's what it was like it 10 was. years ago, right? Absolutely. We were it just was. like, it didn't yeah. matter what you said. No. You had to do it that way, but yeah. times are changing and it's more important to be casual and valuable what I'm hearing from you than to be stuffing pets that are every third word. So what are the different types of keywords? Because I saw something on your Instagram the other day and that was kind of interesting. What are the different, there was three of them, I think. Yeah. So you have the head keywords and that's your basic keyword that is a high search volume, but it's very competitive. So that could be like just pet sitter. That would might be depending on your location. That might be a keyword you want to work on, but you definitely want to do some research to see if it's worth it because it is highly competitive. And then we have the body keyword. Those are the ones you kind of want to go after because it's a little bit longer. So it's a little bit more descriptive, but it's not quite as competitive and it's not searched as often. Okay. So that could be pet sitter Austin or pet sitter Austin, Texas, that kind of thing. So it's a little bit more specific. Uh And then we have the long tail keywords. So these are what a lot of people search for. So if you go into Google, a lot of times you'll type like almost like a question. So those are more like the long tail keywords. Those are used a lot more often. But each individual one is not searched as often, but you can rank higher for it. So that is where all the research comes in. You need to know which keywords you should be using. Okay. Essentially. You know what I heard recently at Social Media Marketing World from my buddy Marcus Sheridan? He said that the search engines are exploding. I forget mm-hmm. what the rate was with should I questions and <laughs> voice questions. People are literally one of the most number one questions for should I is should I text him back? (laughs) Like it is hilarious and it's so true. And so he was telling us like as marketeers, I'm going off script again, sorry, but it was, should I questions like, you know, should I feed my dog twice a day? Should I Uh take my dog for a walk every day? You know, like stuff like that. But the interesting question would be how to bring that back to local and not be competing nationally. And then also just, the voice text. Voice text is exploding now too, right? People are just, they are driving in their car and say, buy yeah. me a pet sitter near yeah. me. A pet sitter near me. Yeah. That phrase, I'm light bulb moment right now. If I was a pet sitter right now, I would do how to find a pet sitter near me. Yeah. Well, we can do some research on that too. Some, I mean, some locations that would be it's really popular. And I know some of my clients do, do optimize for that and we're looking and tracking it and everything. But that's why it's so important to do your local research because what might work in one town won't work in another. Yeah. So that is something that is really important. See, so what you need to do is just do your research. Cool. I love that. I love that. I have a question come through. I don't know if this applies to it or not, but Chloe asks, some website hosts seem to only allow one keyword when others allow multiple. Her website says she can pay to have more than one keyword. Or is one keyword per page better? One keyword per page is what you want to focus on. When you think of a keyword, think of it more as a topic than a keyword. Google is trying to kind of get away from the whole keyword thing. So you want to focus on a topic. So for each blog, you should have one topic. And then you don't need to use the same term, but you can use different terms that are associated and relate to it. But yeah, you want to focus on one keyword. 
And I mean, that doesn't mean if you could have a page that says where you're trying to optimize for the word dog walker, but maybe Google will find another keyword. So I think what you're saying, Chloe, is that just what they're trying to get you to optimize for? Because you could definitely rank for more than one keyword on a page, but you should try to focus on just one topic per page. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Thanks for breaking that down. So many people are focused on a fixed keyword ranking number one for one search term. And it's kind of like goes into what we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. But how do we know what our customers are actually Mm -hmm. searching for? Therefore, should we even put our time and effort towards it? Yeah. Plus, the other thing is search terms are going to fluctuate every day. You might be number one one day, number five, number two. Like it's going to keep changing. There's so many factors and it depends on what your competitors are doing. And there's so many factors. Anyway, so what you should do is... Sit down and think about what keywords you want to rank for and just think about what there is. Write them all down and then use a tool to actually go through and see what kind of search volume they get and how many clicks you get from it. So there's lots of tools. SE Ranking has some tools. I'm actually working on getting an SEO optimization plan slash software together. So you do that and then you'll actually see, is it worth it? Because you might notice that there's actually zero search results for this keyword that you're ranking one for. But maybe once you do some more research and see some suggestions, you'll find some new keywords that you didn't really think about that people are searching for in your area. And the next thing you want to do is find out your top five competitors and then plug them into a software that will be able to tell you which keywords they rank for. Basically, how many clicks they get for the keyword and AdWords as well. So it'll tell you what ads they're running and what kind of success they're getting for organic and ad keywords. And there's a couple different research tools that you can do with this, right? And they'll like vary. Essayranking.com has one. And uh, you can just literally put in, that's the software that I'm going to be using. So you literally put your competitor's URL in and you can see all the top keywords. The free version, you don't get to see them all. You don't get to see much, but um, mm-hmm. you'll be able to see your competitor's top keywords and top AdWords. Uh-huh. And then that will help you determine what kind of keywords are successful for them. You might want to try to take a chunk out of right, and start optimizing for those. Then there's SpyFu and SEM Rush. All of these have different types of tools where uh-huh. you can actually stalk your competitors and if they're going for a keyword, then yeah. you're not. When you're missing sometimes it. they're not even going for it. It's just like naturally happening on accident, right? Like it's well, they, exactly. yeah, they don't. They might not realize it. And then the other thing with SE ranking is you can go by location. So one of the things we found out when we were doing ProPet is we thought we were doing really, really well in the search engines. Well, we were, but in Canada, <laughs> when we actually plugged it in, we realized, well, we're not doing as well in the U.S., so we need to make some changes. So it kind of goes down to your location too. So you can go into the different neighborhoods or different towns, different cities that you service and see where your keywords rank in each different place, which is, this is fascinating. I have a lot of coaching clients that operate in more than one city Uh and their question always is, so what do I do? Write a blog for every single city? Like how do I attract more than just that one? And it sounds like this tool will really help you figure that out, right? Because it's just so figuring out who's ranking in those cities and why and then competing with them rather than blindly yeah. just trying to blog. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Yeah, exactly. And then That's I mean mind blowing. Yeah, so you can and then I mean obviously if you service multiple areas and you're going to have to make sure Google knows that. 
maybe you'll want to write a blog about trails in a certain town or like when you write the blogs, you want to kind of get down to the level of what your uh, potential uh-huh. customers are looking for and just write helpful information. Yeah. Maybe dog parts in the area or say you're a pet sitter, maybe you can do one on the top vets in your area, that kind of stuff. Maybe you can get them to write one about pet sitters. So you can kind of do that kind of stuff. And then what a vet writes blog, because some of yeah. them might not want to sit there and spend their time writing, but you could ask like, Hey, could I write a blog about this? And you can post it on your site. So you almost do the work for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then once you kind of get your competitors for my clients, I created a new worksheet. So you can actually go through, you'll put your top five competitors, their search words, and then you'll create it so you can see the search volume for the keywords you want to rank for and what kind of percentage each of your customers have of the click-through rate of those so that you can monitor it and kind of work on creating content around the keywords that your competitors are ranking for that you want to kind of beat them out. So it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's not easy. And you do have to commit and create the content that makes Google happy. But at least this will kind of... You're not jumping in blind because you actually know what you want to rank for and you're ranking for keywords that actually have potential instead of just like, oh, this might sound like a good keyword. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is this is all the tactical stuff you have to do. And a lot of us stay in this conceptual overview of like, I just want to rank on Google, right? And we all know, like, you don't necessarily have to be the number one. You just need to be on first page, right? Because it fluctuates or one, two or three. Would you agree or disagree with that? First of all. I mean, number one will probably get the most, but a lot of number one will be someone like Rover or Wang because they pay a lot of money and they kind of just, they get a lot more traffic because they're a tech company. One of your clients could sit down with you, I'm sure, on one of the plans that you have and you guys could almost strategize based off of, or you probably actually give them that stuff, right? Because you're using these tools for like Maureen, when she said that. And so you could give Maureen ideas of what direction to go in for her content. And we're not just talking blogs, right? We're talking like what we're doing right now, videos. Videos are going to be showing in the search engines more than blogs soon, you know? Yeah. And just knowing where to use the keywords. So when you use them on your Facebook, there's just so many different places that Google doesn't just look at your website, right? So when you post on Facebook, you want to use those search terms and keywords and that kind of stuff too. The more you do, the better images name your images properly. How do you do that? Tell us this juicy bit of information. I'm going to make my virtual assistant go nuts like China. Add in extra notes right now. (laughs) So with images, you want to just make sure they're descriptive because there's more image searches in Google. So when you do... Hold on. Does that mean the file that I upload? Or does that mean once it's uploaded, what I change it to? Tell me. You You want to name it and optimize it before you upload it into your website? Say that again. So you want to name it and optimize it before you actually upload it yes. into your website. Yes. You want to make sure it's named properly with the describing what the image is. And then depending on what page it's on, you can use some naming conventions and throw in your location just to kind of let Google know if it's a location-based photo, your services that it, the photo is about, just that kind of stuff. And just helps Google understand what the image is about. And when someone's searching for it, it's there. Okay. I love that. I love that. You guys, Maureen says it's a good idea to put rover.com or Instagram posts with wag.com. I don't know. What do you think? Like, I mean, should we be using Rover and Wag in our blog posts? I don't know. It depends, I guess. So yeah. you mean like using hashtags or actually writing it? I kind of changed the question a little bit. So like okay. having them like in the actual title of a blog, her question was more towards like using the hashtags on 
Instagram, which is total different. Hashtags are different than keywords. Mm-hmm. Those are like two different languages. So those are definitely different. So you had a couple of overview points and there's so much goodness in there. So then you talked a little bit about it, selecting your top keywords, doing your research, using some of the tools to see if you're using the right keywords. You might be, some might be good, some might be bad. So you can either tweak your keyword strategy that way. And then see what your competitors are doing. Piggyback off of any good keywords that they're getting success from. Uh Uh-huh. Use that. So then off of that, you want to create a final list of some keywords you want to start optimizing for. And then each month, you'll want to check back and kind of see what the progress is like. See if there's anything new and just kind of check in, stay on top of it. The algorithms change all the time. So it'll be important to just kind of stay on top of it. See what's working, what's not working and adjust. I love that because I mean, even with my own jump consulting website, I'm excited to really have a little bit more of a plan towards this. And you really taught us a lot today. So thank you for doing all this research and bringing all this goodness to us. Brooke asks, I see some posting Erica provides a website service. Is that correct? How can I get information? That is correct. Um, If you go to marketing.co, you'll have all the information there. Yeah, so what we do is we create templates you can purchase a template and then we provide a monthly hosting support webmaster services as well. So you don't have to worry about it anymore. I think the best thing to say is actually there's a lot of people that have used her services that are my clients that have sent over to Erica and I've gotten thank you notes, Brooke. Like I know Maureen is one of them and I've seen a couple other people on here today that also have used it. So if you use one of Erica's sites, if you could just show Brooke your site so she could see how beautiful it looks, that would be amazing. So as we end the end of the show, I want to let you guys know that next week I'm going to take over and I'm going to actually dive so deep into something that is like so powerful and amazing. I want you to know that there are so many ways that for a shoestring budget, you can actually attract tens of thousands of dollars into your business. It's just that a lot of people aren't doing it. And I know it can happen because I've done it. And I've also had my better marketing with Bella clients do it and be very successful. And I'm going to break it down just like Erica broke down keyword search. I'm going to break that down for you guys next week and give you some really awesome ideas that's not going to cost you a ton of time, but going to have an amazing impact that you can just do. And this is stuff that I usually give to my Better Marketing with Bella students, but I'm going to give it to the whole world. And you guys, thank you so much for joining us. We are truly doing this to just help elevate the industry. I love what Eric is doing. I've been a big fan of hers for over a year. I've been a fangirl. You're not following her on Instagram. Go follow her on Instagram, marketing blog, or on Facebook. Erica, how else can people get a hold of you? We're also on Twitter, but Instagram and Facebook are probably the best. best, best, best. Yeah, 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 for sure. If you saw the beginning of this show and saw all of our technical <laughs> difficulties, laugh with us and know that when you go live, things might happen. You just need to keep talking. You just need to be real because that's what it is. It's live. It's not produced. It's live. And I want you guys to hopefully be encouraged that if the next time you go live, things don't necessarily go perfect, (laughs) it's okay. And you just keep rolling with it and you have people help you out like we did. We now figured out the whole audio. So I'm super excited about that. Thanks for joining the Jump Into Marketing training. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for jumping with Bella in your business. For more information, free articles, free coaching sessions, and more, go to jumpconsulting.net. And remember, Bella's got your shoot.